And what's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast. Uh, here, me, Tony Mazur. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening for the free podcast that goes out every Wednesday. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and I don't know, give me a five. I don't care what review you do. It's free. It's Wednesday, whatever. If you want more access to more content, that would be at Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. And uh, making a return appearance here on this podcast, he was on about two years ago. We had a, I had him on, and uh, it's Don Jameson. I've done a number of shows with him uh, over the years, and you know, sometimes comics are in different schedules, and you never know what they're doing, what they're filming, uh, you know, they're plugging dates, whatever. Don is one of the most active people I've seen in a long time. I mean, he's got the web show, he's touring, he's doing this, this, and this. He's all over the place. Yet. For whatever reason, he decided to make a couple of minutes here for me on this podcast. So I thank him for this. Don, thanks for coming on. Well, I think I haven't been sexually active in a while. So that's this is that <coughs> time that, <laughs> that I'm saving by not being sexually active is talking to you. And I but and here's the thing, Tony, and this is why, you know, this is why I have always uh, liked you a lot, man. It's like you reached out to me. You're like, hey, I know you're coming to play the funny stop. Let's jump on together. And so you could promote the gigs out there in Ohio as well as whatever else we're going to talk about. But uh, that means a lot because, yeah, I mean, look, look, like all of us, man, you, you're running 18 different directions. You know, I got my that Jameson show I'm doing now. I got the new thing that rocks. And so, yeah, sometimes you just you get caught up. And the next thing you know, you know, Pete from the Funny Stop is screaming at you. like, What press are you going to do? <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the worst part is, is I, I've, every time I, you come to, through town, I always make a chance to see you anytime. But in the past couple of years, you've now come around the same weekend in June, and it's always my anniversary weekend. So what, do, what, what am I going to do? Take my wife out to a nice dinner. We go to a hotel. Maybe we leave town for a couple of days. Or do I go to the funny stop to see Don Jameson for the 82nd time? So it's kind of tough to weigh that out. Well, don't forget, there's a Pizza Hut across the street, so you can, you know, you can really do it up. Yeah, well, it's not the buffet, though. That's the problem, is if it were the buffet, then it'd be a little bit more, I can, uh, you know, hide jewelry in the salad bar. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you came, I think last year you were doing the Heaven and Hell tour, I believe that's what it's called, or the Good and Evil with uh, Mark Riccadonna, and... Uh, and uh, obviously, you came from Comedians of the Compound. You still do your show, that Jameson show. But also, what I wanted to talk to you about is this this new That Rock show. And so you, Eddie Trunk, uh, and Jim Florentine all got together. You brought the band back together. You guys have done a lot of one-off shows over the years since the end of that metal show. But one thing I always say about that, that show was it served its purpose. It served its purpose for the time, kind of like Red Eye over on Fox News. It was the... Days where, yeah, there is internet, there is social media, there is YouTube, but there's a lot of people who are still straggling with cable TV and that they'll stumble upon something. And you guys built up a huge to this day. And you guys just, I guess, decided, let's do it. Let's do it again. Yeah. Well, R Rolling Stone named, named us the most, one of the top 50 stumbled upon shows of all time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, that was the thing, Tony. It's interesting you say that because. The one thing about our our little show that could for 14 seasons, which you know still blows my mind, is that the, the one thing about being on a tiny network like VH1 Classic, not regular VH1, VH1 Classic, which is like the Stephen Baldwin of TV networks, right? <laughs> but they got nothing else to air on that network. So they repeated our show so many times. Eventually, if you were flicking through the channels, 
you might have caught us. I was visiting a relative today in the hospital and the male nurse came in and was like, oh man, I'm a big fan of yours. I used to watch that metal show. So, you know- Male nurse, I'm assuming a big Rob Halford fan, right? Absolutely, a big, big <laughs> fan of the metal god. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to misgender him or anything, but- uh, Of course. He, he was he was very complimentary and and the fans all have I mean we've been off seven years now Tony and it's like still to this day the fans are like when are you bringing it back when are you bringing it back and the, the truth is like the three of us never separated you know we've stayed friends the whole time we've had the desire to do this again but you know we're three middle-aged dudes who can barely like post our gigs on our social media how are we starting all over on YouTube well we found these young dudes who that's all they do for a living and they kind of schooled us on how it gets done and so we teamed up with them and uh and yeah now we're rolling episode uh will probably be four or five in by the time this airs and um and so far so good man it's you know it's great to be back with the guys and having you know we had charlie benante from anthrax on our first show we had david coverdale brett michaels so um the guests are kicking ass and we're doing our thing and so far, people seem to be digging it. Also, what, what I like about your show is you guys don't stay in a specific time period. You're not like, nope, we are only doing late 70s to about 1987. We're only going to fixate on that. It's You're bringing Corey Taylor on. You're bringing some of the, the newer metal guys up because who were they influenced by? They were influenced by the people that you've had on maybe last week. And that's what's great about it is you are introducing possibly a 65-year-old guy who is you know, I'm, I'm a Slayer guy, I'm a Motorhead guy, I'm this. And then you introduce them to a band that came out in the last five to 10 years. And they're like, well, these guys kick ass. They're pretty good. So you guys, uh, what I like is you don't pigeonhole yourselves into a specific time period and you're able to be flexible enough where you can interview like the, the you know, the guys from Deep Purple and the guys from Black Veil Brides. Oh, absolutely, man, of course. And, and the thing is, and I haven't even gone like full death metal mode yet, which is coming. You know, I just got to find the the right spots for it because I'm massive death metal fan. But um, but yeah, that's what happened with the TV show too. Is like it's called that. It was called that metal show. But eventually, when you do it long enough, you can't just have the same twelve bands that are considered metal on it, right? So you know, we had we went from everyone from Sticks to, you know, Johan from Amon Amarth, so death metal. So you, you have to keep it broad. And also the audience as well. Like, I you know, in the last like three or four years, I, I get these like 22, 23 year old young dudes and, and girls come up and like, oh my God, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I'm like, how, you know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, do you deliver the AR, AARP package to my house? Uh, but they say, you know, we're, we're friends with this. We're friends with this male nurse over at this hospital. He <laughs> yeah. told me all about you. <laughs> yeah. They, and they go, no, you know, when I was 11 or 12, we, I watched, you know, with my dad and now they're young adults and, and they love this music. And so, yeah, you know, we all three of us, I, I try to really stay current with with what I listen to. But yeah, of course, I'm nine times out of 10. Am I going to put on Black Sabbath, ACDC, that kind of stuff? Yeah. But I love a lot of young bands like Crowbot and the Pretty Reckless and Hailstorm and our Black Veil Brides too, man. And yeah, they all, all their roots tie back to the OGs. And when you listen to it, this is what's interesting as you get older and your tastes change, because what I was raised with, my dad 
my dad's a, a boomer and he was one of those where music ended in 1980. As soon as the calendar, you took December 1979 off, 1980, like in Boogie Nights when uh, <laughs> William H. Macy kills his wife and kills himself. It was like, that's when music ended. Eagles, hell freezes over. And a lot of the, the acts from the, the 70s either couldn't translate to the 80s or they broke up and became solo acts. And so when I'm raised in the early 90s, I was not privy to a lot of the 80s metal and some of these groups. And then you start to hear them. And it, 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 I guess by 90s, maybe early 2000s standards, some of the hair metal, it's like, eh, it's kind of gay. I don't know about that. A lot of hairspray. But then you really start to listen. You appreciate them. You say, well, who are they influenced by? And then that's what makes a great show is that you can get a Cinderella, you can get a Rat, you can get some of these groups. Well, who are they influenced by? And then you can interview them. So it's such a broad spectrum on your show and having a show that's not called necessarily called That Metal Show, but it's called That Rocks. You can interview basically anybody you guys want to. And of course, Eddie's, Eddie's Chops and you and Jim know all about this. It just it makes for a great trifecta. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, you know, the, the, the chemistry is it's funny, man. So when we when we first started doing that metal show, we all had to learn how to interview as a threesome. You know, even though Eddie had so much experience already on the radio, but he'd never really, he'd done some on TV, but, but now you add, you know, two goofballs, me and Florentine in the mix. Now, you, you know, he's got to, we've got to take these nonverbal cues from each other and sort of figure out each other's rhythms. And then, you know, that show ends. I go on to do that Jameson show. And now I'm relearning how to interview people just by myself. And that did take a little while. Now the three of us are back. We still have a rhythm, but now we have to learn to do it in the streaming world because we're, you know, we're not all together. We're in the boxes and our guest uh, streams in with us. So, it, you know, it's a whole other challenge doing it that way. But, um, you know, that's people are used to watching things this way now, you know. Most people watch YouTube on their flat screen, um, and it's not so weird to see a guest in a box, you know, because of COVID, a lot of the, the proper late night shows, um, which I don't watch, but, you know, they were Zooming people in. Everyone does Zoom now. Everything's a goddamn Zoom. At the, you know, any meeting you have, a, I'm going to send you a Zoom link. No, I just need to talk to you for five minutes, dude. I don't need to see yeah. your face. <laughs> Take a shower. <laughs> And, you know, do my hair to, to talk to you for five minutes. We don't need a Zoom link. But that's the age we live in. And that's an advantage, again, to us, you know, these middle-aged uh, dudes trying to kind of recreate what we did before. But, you know, do it here in the modern age. Yeah. I, I, it's Well, when you say about the modern age, it's kind of interesting because I, I'm a huge Pantera guy. And what I loved about Pantera was kind of how I grew up with the grunge scene as well, where you don't need to put makeup on. You don't need to put hairspray on. You don't need to wear tights. It's like Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul and um, it, it, Phil Anselmo. They all just kind of looked at each other like, why are we doing this? Why, why am I wearing tights? Why did I spend 45 minutes putting hairspray in my hair uh, when I could just wear my hair, whatever, wear a Jack Daniels t-shirt, slug some Jack Daniels, and then play some kick-ass balls out rock and roll. And I, I noticed how a lot of that all changed at that time. And I, and I know you were kind of around, you were doing comedy, you were uh, doing some stuff and you worked, uh, I believe, you believe you worked with MTV at that time, right? You were doing some stuff with them. What was it like that changeover? Because that's a, it's an interesting period of rock where there were people who went to like the Vanilla Ice and the 
uh, MC Hammer, kind of the hip hop. And it just never really did too much from that era. Then others went into the rock era. What was that transition like? Did you try to hold on to those roots from the 80s by the time it got to about 91, 92? Or were you like, no, I'm, I'm open to listening to some Pearl Jam. Hey, this Soundgarden sounds really good. Like, what, what was it like with you? Yeah, well, first of all, let me just say um, Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer will probably both get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, before Motorhead and Thin Lizzy. But <laughs> Jesus not, God. Not to, yeah, not to go off course. But, you know, Tony, it's interesting because, you know, a guy like you who grew up in the 90s, it's funny because you, you discover the you, you discover the originators backwards where, you know, people who grew up with Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, and then they hear Black Sabbath and they go, oh, they stole Soundgarden sound. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, if you didn't know the timeline, you'd think Sabbath stole, you know, what Soundgarden was doing. But I think a lot, these bands, you know, the 90s bands made it their own. Um, I liked I liked some of them. I didn't like all of them. My favorite of all of them was Alice in Chains because, you know, one of the things that, that we lost in in heavy music and is still kind of lost today man is is the edginess and the that that sort of the rebelliousness and and the the, the just the like Allison Chains is one of those bands like you knew they were doing heavy drugs and and you didn't like you didn't know if they'd make it to the show you know like there was this mystique about them that you know wow who are these guys and and that's what I really liked about those guys. You knew, you knew Lane was his tortured soul. Um, and of course, the riff sounded very much uh, like Sabbath. But um, I always loved that mystique about those guys. Soundgarden, you know, of course, um, those guys were super heavy. And um, so I got into some of it. But yes, I always kept to my roots. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, along the way, like I still do today, is I try to Try to find the sweet out the stuff that I like, the stuff that I don't like. And, uh, you know, the bands that have stood the test of time, like Alice in Chains, uh, like Soundgarden, Soundgarden did uh, until 2017. Unfortunately, we lost Chris. But um, like those bands just be, and Pearl Jam even now, they're just like great rock bands now. There's no label on them. If you survive that and, and same with the hair bands, like if you if the hair bands survived the 90s, and got into the 2000s, now you're just a great band. There's no label on you anymore. Like, you made it. Well, they made such a comeback, the hair metal groups, because if they hung out just a little bit longer, yeah, you had to play a couple of rib burn-offs, and you had to do a couple of these, and parties in the park, and there were, like, free shows for the fans. But if you just hung on a little bit, and then by the time the LimeWire stuff and YouTube, that they made this massive, massive comeback, and now you're seeing, I mean, Poison sells out everywhere. But yeah. Poison, if, if you think about it, 20 years ago, it was like, <laughs> Poison, yeah, okay. And then now, no matter, Sebastian Bach's another example. You're like, yeah, yeah, Skid Row, they had two songs, come on. And then now, whether it's with Skid Row or Sebastian Bach's own band, you could sell out anywhere. So all it really just, it, it was the stick to of a lot of these bands. If you can stick with it and make sure that your lead singer does not die of a drug overdose, then you could probably live on for a little bit. Although I will say, Allison Chains, I, I have a friend of mine who was on uh, my Patreon. He came up and said that he's like, I can't do it. I can't listen to new Allison Chains. I'm like, it's pretty good. I, well, it's not lame. Of course, it's not lame. But you have to, you can't just do the same old shit over and over again. So William Duvall is, yes, he does the lame parts live, but it's Jerry Cantrell's band. And they're able to 
kind of transition and pivot rather than just doing the same old stuff over and over again, going like, well, yeah, we miss Lane. So we're just going to do everything. It's like, it's not going to attract the audience that you want. Yeah. And I, you know, what they did with, with William, which was great, was they slow rolled them in. They never said, Hey, this is the new guy. And we're going on tour next week. They sort of said, Hey, let's play some shows with this guy. Um, let's see how it feels. See how, and then we'll, you know, we'll see how the fans feel about it. And uh, maybe we'll do a few more. And then they did a few more and those were good. And they go, Oh, we'll do a few more. And maybe we'll write some new music. And, and, you know, and now they've been rolling again. Actually, I, you know, I don't, I don't know the exact timeline, but Williams probably been with them now as long as Lane. So, you know, they, they, they kind of really did that without um, doing dishonor to Lane's name. And listen, let's face it at the end of the day, we will see another sound garden, whether you want to believe it or not. You yeah. can be the biggest Chris Cornell fan in the world. And I, I was lucky enough to meet the guy and he was super nice and had a great experience with him, but, but, and as great as singer and a talented as he was, you know, those guys are going to want to make music under that banner again, and they should, but you know, Gary Sharon, it's going to be Gary Sharon, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think after Van Halen three, he's going to stick with extreme. I, I will say though, I like that van. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was like, it was Gary Sharon perfect for that group. No, but who is? I mean, you had two otherworldly lead singers in Van Halen. Then you bring this third guy in. I thought he held his own as good as he could. I thought it was kind of like a Ripper Owens with Judas Priest. It was somebody who was serviceable enough, can hit the notes, can do it, plus can manage on his own. It's just Van Halen became big business and no one's going to be above that. No, it's just, it's just not going to happen. It's like I was talking to uh, Michael Graves on my podcast about a year ago and the, you have the mystique of the misfits. He joins as a 19, 20 year old kid and everybody wants to hear those Danzig songs. And he just kind of was like, all right, well, the misfits is just bigger than I am. I guess I'm just, I guess I'm going to sing for them for a little bit. And that's about it. So it was, it's a tough position to be in, but you know, probably made some nice memories at least and made a good chunk of change. Yeah. Well, Gary, listen, Gary had to cover, they need someone who could cover the raw period and the Hagar period. So you know, Gary, that, you know, that's a tall order, but, you know, Gary's super talented and he did that. And think about back then, Tony, like, so you're talking about he got in, came in around 92, right? Because the album came out in 93. So you figure he came in then. Back then, it wasn't like band members didn't leave really that much back then. It wasn't, you know, it's not like now, like the the, the singer from ZZ Top died and like, mm -hmm. Like he died at four o'clock at nine o'clock. They were playing a show with the, with the guitar tech, you know, Foo, it, Foo, Fighter, Foo Fighters just replaced. I mean, they waited a year, but they basically had Josh Freeze was going to be their drummer. They knew it was going to be for a while. So right. but ZZ yeah, they Tom literally did it within 24 hours. So <laughs> but in 92, 93, you didn't do that. So, you know, and of course, and Sammy and, and Dave are both larger than life. So it, it, Gary was almost in a, a no win situation there. Um, you know, I think there's some love for that album in retrospect when it's kind of like the Motley Crue album with John Karabi. Now with time in the, in the rear view mirror, people can look back on it and just listen to it as it is and not go, oh, that's not Vince Neil. That's not a Motley album. It's like, who cares? Do you like the album or you don't? You know, it, yeah. it was tougher back then than it is now. Now they go, OK, you're out. We plug the next guy in. Yeah, that's uh, well. And then the only other time I could really I was trying to think when you said lead singers don't leave a group and then they get replaced that quickly. I'm thinking, who is another example? I'm like, oh, wait, Van Halen did that also. 
they did that what seven years earlier when diamond dave left and they found sammy hagar so um and then i've noticed that with a lot of like the bands of the last 20 something years saliva replaced their lead singer fuel replaced their three days grace replaced their saving able and it just seemed like they just plugged somebody else in and then the lead singer who's not in the group anymore goes on their own and says, hi, this is so-and-so. I used to be the lead singer of this band and I'm going to play all their songs. And you go, oh, okay, I guess I'll listen to one third or one quarter of this band because it's the lead singer who filled out the rest of his group or, uh, or some band just, they live on based on the name recognition of the lead singer. And they just continue replacing everybody else like sponge did. Well, there's no, yeah. there's no original members anymore. Well, except Vinny, but, um, but, but the, yeah, dude, there was a, there was a, there was, I guess it was last year. Or the, yeah, I guess last year was the 30th, yeah, 30th anniversary of Skid Row, Slave to the Grind. Sebastian mm -hmm. went out and toured with it, with his band and Skid Row with their singer at the time went out and toured on, on it too. And they both played the whole album. So it was sort of like, all right, who do I want to see? Do I want to see the original guy who sang it, who has a great band with him, or do I want to see the band, but with a different singer who's not Sebastian? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 different. It's it's uh, and then you know, guys, guys got to make money nowadays. It's it's gonna it's a lot tougher with the record companies and the the Spotify. Like, hey, for every two hundred thousand streams, we get five bucks. You know, yeah, okay. That's I wish. really five tough. Five cents, <laughs> dude. Good lord. I mean, it's it that's gotta be tough. And so in the days of you would put an album out and you would tour to promote the album. Now you put an album out to tour just to tour. You're basically just touring right now. T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the third, you know, you're paying 35, 40 bucks a t-shirt. Everyone's like, gosh, that's really expensive. And I, I think I talked to Florentine about this, where it was the scale of whatever group is headlining. So if you guys are doing a show with, let's say Metallica is the headliner and Metallica's t-shirts are 45 bucks, the Don Jameson or the Jim Florentine t-shirt also has to be 45 bucks. And everyone's like, why the fuck do I want to pay this much for a t-shirt? It's like, it's above my pay grade. It's above my head right now. Blame, don't blame me. <laughs> no, exactly. They, they're, they're in music. When you mix music and comedy, we have so many similarities. But 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 in terms of touring, man, yeah, they they the price matching is a standard thing in the business. So you know, I want to sell my Don Jameson stand-up CDs. They're selling theirs for 30. So I got to sell mine for 30, which means in, on a two month tour, I sell four CDs. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's, man, that sucks. But oh, oh, well, it, I remember the days, it, you didn't want to talk about the 80s and the 90s. It, it was very common where you would have a, an artist that would go out on tour and they would bring a comic on the road. And it, I think Tom Dreetson used to do that with Frank Sinatra. And then you'd have other acts that would open for. Well, we lost Tina Turner today when we were recording this. So like you'd have Tina Turner would be headlining doing this and then bring up some comic up there. And uh, I, I think luckily for the comic's sake, we don't do that anymore. It's one thing if you have Don Jameson, Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine goes out there and kind of hosts the show like at a, a Sonic Temple or Rockzilla or Daytona or whatever's in Daytona or Rocklahoma. But it's a different thing when you just put a comic up there, go like, hi, guys, I'm going to entertain you for 15 minutes. Uh, don't throw anything at me. 
that's 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 a tough experience. I know you had to deal with that. Yeah, well, I just I just got the Tina Turner tour too, so that's that's bad news well, for me. I guess so that's not happening now. But um, yeah, man, I you know I just I, I developed I developed a whole separate thirty minute act to open for bands with. That's just all musicians, bands, music related. And I, I'll do a small part of that in my nightclub act, just the stuff that will be really recognizable to any crowd. But yeah, when I go out with a band, that's what I do, man. And um, thankfully, for the recognition from that metal show, it's, yeah, you're not immediately booed the second you walk out there. Because like you said, back in the day, man, it was the coolest thing for comics to open for bands. You know, Dice opening for Guns N' Roses at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles and, and Kinnison with the Wild Thing and, and his whole, and Bobcat Goldthwait used to open, he opened for Nirvana, like that whole, that shit was so cool for, for a, a long time. And then it was so not cool for so long because of the bands we talked about, the grunge bands came along and you weren't allowed to laugh anymore. And so when that metal show happened and, you know, D. Snyder said, hey, Don, would you ever want to open up for Twisted Sister? I said, hey, maybe we could, you know, make this cool again. And um, I love doing it, man. It, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's, you know, it's like doing a shitty bar gig, you know, like when you're starting out doing comedy and you just got to get out there and attack and, you know, get the audience as quickly as possible because they're all you know, they don't even know what's coming, really. They're not sure there's a comedian. Like, I was just in England doing shows with these three bands, and nobody, I have no recognition over there. So I really had to get out there, and you get to your first couple jokes out, and you hope you get a couple laughs, and then you you fool them into laughing for a little while, and you go, okay, here's your headliner, bada bing, bada boom. Well, yeah, when you're at a festival, the best, it's like, I think the best thing for people who are waiting around is if the DJ starts playing music in between so everyone kind of can sing along or whatever. But when it's just nothing and you're standing there, your back hurts, at least you have something to entertain you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I and I've, I've talked to, I've told, told you this before, but it's, I think it's some of the ultimate compliment is I always tell people this, go see Don Jameson live, Young Comics. Go see him live because Don has a rhythm like almost nobody else. What you do, you just go and you go and you go. And I, really, I mean, for the, for a guy who co-hosts a music show and knows a lot about music, your act is very musical because it's very on rhythm and on point. And you get a joke here, set a punchline, set a punchline, set a punchline. And I tell young comics, I remember you were at Water Street in uh, Kent, Ohio. And I told a bunch of comics like the day before, go see Don. We need to fill this place because you need to go watch this guy do it because he's a master at proper rhythm, proper timing when he's on stage. So you don't even have to you don't even have to hear the material, just hear the cadence. And that's what I loved about it. Oh, dude. I, but, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody's ever sort of put it that way. But, the, you know, the truth is, and you're a comic, so, you know, like you deliver, it, it, it kind of comes by accident in a lot of ways. Like, you know, um, you know, I do like to keep a half a step ahead of, of a lot of other comics, um, but I still, you still need the pauses. You still need the breaths. You still need the timing. Um, so I, I, you know, there's a huge part of me that w wishes I worked a little bit slower, but that's just the way I work. And um, I do kind of like to work that way. It, you know, um, when you're busy, it helps pass the time. So, you know, if I'm doing a 45 minute headline slot, you know, 
first time I'm looking at my clock, I'm 38 minutes in and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the home stretch, but um, dude, that's a great compliment. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Well, cause it, it, what it, like when I say it's musical, because every so often, you know, you'll, you'll go up on stage and like, especially if you're a younger comic or like where I'm at less than a decade into doing it, you'll go up there and you'll just have diarrhea of the mouth and you, you're, you're 15 minutes, you're going up there, you blew through it in six. So what am I going to do the rest of the time? What I like is that you slow, kind of do, like, even though you say you go fast, you slow it down and you know exactly, here, I'm going to do this joke. This is where this, there's, here's the key for Sutherland joke. Here's the, this joke and this and this, and it's very regimented. And I like the fact that if you're a young comic who's going to watch and try to emulate something, I would want somebody to, to emulate rather than just straight material it's proper structure it's all like when when you start out in comedy and you want to get a joke book you know like how do you write the proper joke and it's like well you can't i mean i guess you could say here's your setup here's your punchline but what do you do in between there how do you write that proper joke and at least if you have some kind of structure to base yourself off of i think that's something to really emulate and model yeah that, yeah i i, I you can you could look at any any comic and and sort of if they're gonna all we're all gonna have our own rhythm right now that doesn't you can take a lot of cues and good things from that comic but it doesn't mean that that needs to be your rhythm you know and that's where a lot of comics do make a mistake because they see someone they'll see somebody high energy like me kill and they'll go okay i gotta be more high energy no you don't but but what you could take from it is is all the things that you just said which we don't need to repeat um, because Stephen Wright has a certain energy and he's monotone one-liner guy, but there is an energy to what he does. So no matter how it comes out of your mouth, yeah, um, you, Tony, we've all seen, and, and, I, and you could probably throw me in this group, comics who, whose material was not that strong, but their performance level was so high that they kill and you're sitting, and it's like, if you read the jokes on paper, you go, how does this guy kill every night? But because he's, He's got a good rhythm. He's got timing. He's got performance, energy, and and so that can carry you through. For people who aren't strong writers, if you're a great performer, you know that. And then there's other guys who are great writers, right? But they have no they have no rhythm on stage. I mean, I sit in the back of room sometimes, and I and I'm watching somebody. I'm snapping my fingers like, "Let's go, let's go." Got the pace. But not to, again, not to be like me, but there's a rhythm. But there's also the stage presence, too. And I always heard, uh, I, and I'm sure you know about this, but Dice would talk about that. And every time I get on a comedy stage, I don't care if it's a shitty basement bar gig or if I'm up on an actual comedy stage. Dice always said, this is a stage. Remember, this isn't just you standing up there like an asshole with your microphone and there's a spotlight and you have a drink next to you on a stool. Use the stage. Like, you don't have to overact, but... Think of it as you're an actor and you're performing on Broadway. That stage is yours and you're the only person up there and there's nobody else that's going to be up there. Use it to your advantage. And I, I, there's a lot of comics, even very good comics that don't do that. Now, it depends on what their material. Again, if Stephen Wright's not going to be running up and down the stage like he's Sebastian Maniscalco, but if there is a stage presence, you've got to also have that. So in addition to the material, in addition to the cadence and the timing, you have to also use that presence that is given to you right there. You're allowed on that stage. Why don't you use almost every corner of that stage if you can? 
Right. As long as as long as um, as long as what you're doing physically doesn't distract from what you're what you're say, saying orally, right? Because <laughs> if you're too manic, then people are expecting you to be a physical comic. Um, yeah. Yes. And if you're too still, again, you know, Anthony Jeselnik's a perfect example of a guy who paces slowly back. He uses the stage. He's not running around like Sebastian, but that's Sebastian's style, right? But but Anthony has his own energy as well. So I don't know, man. You know, we, we get up there, we do it. We try to see what works. You know, we try to get better at this stupid thing that we do. I'm, I'm grateful to still be doing it. I, I, I'm super grateful to have one foot in the rock world, one foot in the comedy world, because those are my the two, you know, loves of my life um, up to this point, besides, you know, furious masturbation. And so, you know, we, yeah. we live to fight I mean, all day. Like a lot of self-love. And, and speaking of comedy, you're, you're on the road and everything. I know you're in my neck of the woods, the funny stuff uh, in June. And then uh, I believe was it June 16th and 17th, you're at Funny Stop. And then the 18th, you're at, of all places, one of my favorite bars in probably all the world, of course, uh, McSorley's in New York City, the old, uh, the old Ale House. And, you know, uh, although I think they upped the prices, I think it's two for eight now instead of two for six, which is what it was a couple of years ago. But uh, that's OK. I would go there. So uh, June 18th, you'll be at McSorley's performing and you're taping a special. Are you doing two shows there? Yeah, I'll do a 7.15 and a 9.15. I've been going to McSorley's probably for 30 years. And um, we were just, me and a bunch of friends were in there, you know, a few months ago. And I was like, why don't I just do my special here? You know, um, I you know, I certainly spent enough money in here. So, uh, you know, I think they'd be open to the idea. And uh, yeah, the owner was like, yeah, we've really never done anything like this before. But um, I said, well, how much to rent it out for the night? And she goes, you You've already paid for it here, so um, we'll let you we'll let you come on in and uh, and I said yeah you know my crowd will drink the lights in the darks because you know you got to order two beers at a time there and that's all they had McSorley's light and dark so uh, I hope the sawdust on the floor sawdust on the floor old school um, it's going to be awesome man I'm so you know even the comics I've told about this are like man that's such a cool idea to do it in a in a different place like that, you know, cause I could have done it at, at one of the comedy clubs, but I'm like, nah, I like to do something a little bit different. So June 18th, and you can find the, uh, the link for the, the free tickets. So the, the links are on my socials and yeah, the last the shows at the, the funny stop will be really on the 16th and 17th. You'll see my comedy special, those nights, those are the warm up shows obviously for the 18th. And of course, leave it to, leave it to me to leave it to the airlines to make sure that I get back to New York City just in time to uh, tape my comedy special. So yeah, uh, about a six and a half hour drive. If there's any inclement weather at that time, just rent a car and just head on back to uh, to New York City. You'll be able to make it. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, but we'll we'll be there. It'll be fun. Yeah, no, it's uh, I'll I'll try to be at uh, one of the shows at the Funny Stop. I won't be able to make it again. Uh, my anniversary is the nineteenth, so uh, I'm not gonna fl- won't be able to fly to New York City to go see this. And you know, my wife like again, what do what would I rather go on? Nice dinner or go to New York and go to uh, McSorley's and go see Don Jameson? And I, although I think she would actually, she loves McSorley's. I took her there one time. She's like, I love this place. And every time I'm there, I take a picture. I take a picture out of the bathrooms. Like there's like two people you can even fit in that bathroom. <laughs> Those the marble stalls are the greatest. So that's I'll, I'll, I'll 
give any amount of money if that place ever closes to take one of those marble urinals out of there and install it in my house. It, it, it's just, you feel like a king whizzing in that place. Oh yeah, and, and trust me, after having two beers at a time, you're whizzing a lot in that place. So it really does feel like home. <laughs> so, uh, and then of course, you know, that rocks on YouTube. You also have that Jameson show on Compound Media every Tuesday and uh, anything else you want to plug? That's it, man. I, you know, I, I really appreciate everything, man. And, um, you know, hope we get to work together again. So I don't know who's on my shows at the funny stop, but obviously, you know, just give Pete a call. I'm, uh, he's not going to be there that weekend. I'm so bummed out, man. I'm not going to, we're not going to have the, uh, the Lebanese lunatic there that weekend, but, um, you know, hopefully you can, if you can make it down, that'd be great. But, uh, yeah, this is, it's always a pleasure spending a, a little time with you. And I love what, what you do when I, when I'm not on your podcast, I, I enjoy all you guys. I don't know who's friends anymore. Who's, who's now enemies it's we like, don't know it's like professional wrestling these podcasts now i just is the shuli network still friends with chad <laughs> are you still doing a thing with chad does kevin brennan like chad is levy i don't know what's going on i like all you guys <laughs> i that, watch that, all that, stuff that's my favorite thing is uh and, and i i don't want to i don't want to give any names out but there's a lot of like really famous comedians and famous people who are following these whole podcast wars. There's a lot of people who are interested and like, well, Brian Johnson was one of them. I was very surprised that he knows everything about what's going on. I'm like, Brian Johnson, he's like, oh yeah, my wife and I watched Chad and Kevin and Bob Levy go back and forth. And I'm just like, he knows more than I do. And I'm like, I'm like directly a part of this now. It's great, man. I, you know, it, look, it, it keeps everything interesting and, um, I, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm the, I, the, 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 the things I'm on that Jameson show and that rock. So the, the only ones that I, that I know that I, that I have no drama. So, um, yep. you know, when, uh, when, when you need a deep breath from the, the drama, come over and, and see me, but, uh, but you guys are also entertaining and, and make it so cool. And, uh, and again, lucky that we have this man. Um, it's a zoom and world, my friend. Yeah. Well, are you guys taking the that rocks on the road at all? Doing any uh, like cruises again or anything uh, like live events? Yeah. Well, you know, as soon as this, you know, really, you know, kind of um, goes into autopilot, you know, and, and we sort of have, you know, our, all our subscribers on board and everything. We're going to have merch. Uh, yeah, we'll go out and do do the things on the road again like we used to with that metal show. And uh, hopefully, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see where it uh, blasts off to. You know, we're worldwide now, which is good. So we're getting people watching in Portugal and the UK, where we weren't before on that metal show. So um, just building, you know, building up the audience again from from scratch. Like when you leave a band and you start another one, it's like, all right, well, your last band was big, but this is a new thing now. So you know, we got to uh, we got to you know make good and, and do a good product. But yeah, we plan on doing all that stuff, man. That rocks with Eddie Trunk, Jim Florentine, Don Jameson on YouTube and go check him out and check if you're in New York City, June 18th at McSorley's two shows, free tickets. Go check him out on social media. Thanks, Don. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Check Your Brain podcast. If you liked what you heard and you already subscribed to all of Don's stuff, you could subscribe to mine. Go to uh, <laughs> every Wednesday. This uh, this uh, podcast goes out there for free and then at Patreon.com slash Tony Mazer for as little as uh, three bucks a month, actually. Thanks, Don. Thanks again. And uh, talk to you fine folks sometime soon. And talk to you next week here on the Check Your Brain podcast. Later, brother.